0: Hello. Welcome to the Live to 110 podcast. My name is Wendy Myers. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm just so thrilled every day that I get to wake up and do what I love and teach people about health and nutrition. And uh, just really love doing this podcast and informing you guys about all the things that you can be doing to improve your health. And these are the things that I do every day. And, uh, you know, I do lots of reading and lots of research and listen to lots of podcasts myself. And so I just love to share all these, you know, um, amazing new cutting edge things that you can do at home to, to, you know, help dramatically improve your health and meet your health goals and improve your energy levels and um, improve your brain functioning and so much more. So I'm here to help um, our guest today is Dr. Noah Decoyer. He is going to be talking to us about fermented foods. I have not done a podcast yet on fermented foods, um, but it's something I think it's really, really important to introduce into your diet. Um, some people can have a little bit of a, uh, you know, time getting used to the taste of them. I kind of was repulsed at first when I tasted them. Um, they can have a, a little bit of a bite to them. Maybe be a little bit bitter, which some people aren't used to, um, but you get used to them and then I actually crave them now. My body really, really wants fermented foods, so I eat them on an almost daily basis. Um, Just uh, very important to introduce into your diet because they contain probiotics and help give you healthy gut bacteria, which is the key to health. A healthy gut equals a healthy life, disease-free, healthy life. So, uh, Dr. Noah DeCoyer is going to be talking to us all about one, the benefits of fermented foods, number two, how you can easily introduce fermented foods into your diet, and some tips on how to ferment your own foods. Um, I had a, a party one time where I invited all my friends over to uh, make a bunch of different fermented foods, and it was a lot of fun. So that's a, a great way to get friends or have your family together and make a bunch of healthy foods. Very rewarding. But first, I have to do the disclaimer. Please keep in mind that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. It is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or health condition and is not a substitute for professional medical advice. Uh, Please consult with your healthcare, healthcare practitioner before engaging in anything today that we suggest on the show. Our guest, Noah DeCoyer, has managed the Family Chiropractic Center of Bayonne in New York for the past 15 years with a mission to guide people to achieve their own innate beauty and good health. His patients range from infants a few years old to enlightened 99-year-olds. In 2014, Dr. Noah co-created a new business with two of his closest colleagues who share the same desire to help humanity live a healthy lifestyle through a think-take organization, the Center for Epigenetic Expression. Dr. Noah is a co-host for the Pain Relief Project, Natural Solutions That Actually Work. This is a summit, and he was a co-host for the recent release summit, Longevity Longevity and Anti-Aging Project, Living Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise. You can hear Dr. Noah regularly on the Beyond Your Wildest Genes podcast as a co-host, which is another offering from the Center for Epigenetic Expression. Dr. Noah um, can be reached at his websites, FCCofbayone.com and the Center for Epigenetic Expression.com and at the Beyond Your Wildest Genes podcast on iTunes and on Facebook and LinkedIn. Uh, Dr. Noah DeCoyer has been married to his beautiful wife, Carrie, for 15 years and has two incredible children. Noah, thank you so much for joining us on the Live to 110 podcast.
1: Hey, Wendy. It's so great to be here.
0: Wanting to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got into health?
1: Sure, sure. So I was a relatively normal kid growing up, but the one thing that I suffered with was strep throat, ear infections, and I became really familiar with Uh, the pink bubblegum tasting amoxicillin. So Mm -hmm. several times a year I would take that. And uh, as fortunes would have it, my my mother met a chiropractor, started seeing a chiropractor. He told her a different story of chiropractic, that healing comes from inside out, Uh, decided to bring me. I got adjusted by that chiropractor, still get adjusted by that chiropractor today, and I haven't had strep throat since. So that was kind of my initial intro into health. And it grew from there. I, um, I really got interested in uh, like Dr. Mercola's site. I got really interested in Weston A. Price. Uh, and it just kept growing and growing from there. I also grew up in a town that had a lot of Italian and Polish immigrants. And they all cooked their own food and canned their own vegetables and had huge gardens. And my father had a garden. Uh, my my uh, great-grandfather raised bees. My dad raised bees. So I kind of grew up in this natural way of eating and, and thinking. And it just kept developing and developing and developing. And then, then a tragedy happened in my life where the person, my mother, who introduced me to chiropractic and a lot of this stuff, uh, got colon cancer and died in 30 days. So that was an impetus to make even a a bigger impact, and that's kind of how we got uh, started on the Center of Epigenetic Expression with my two partners and some of the different summits and the podcasts that we do. So that's the two-minute version of a 12-minute story.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's how I got uh, into health also, for personal reasons, of course, but also because my father passed away from esophageal cancer, and I think for a lot of people, the tragedy in their lives uh, you know, steers them towards the health field, unfortunately. So, uh, let's, we're going to talk about fermented foods and how those are so important for gut health, gut microbiome, immunity, et cetera. It's something I haven't explored yet on the podcast. So, let's talk about some different examples of uh, cultured and fermented foods.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, let's, let's define some terms first. First off, I'd like to consider. Uh, In my definition, cultured foods and fermented foods is the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other thing is that fermentation in its basic definition is uh, using bacteria to make food more delicious, more nutritious, and to preserve it. So once we look at that, uh, it opens up a huge world of fermented foods. And those would be things that we're so used to every day like chocolate, beer, Wine, uh, those things, meads, those things are all fermented. Even bread, we wouldn't even have those without fermentation. And then we look at other things like uh, things we see every day in the supermarket, especially now, like kombucha, all the healing tonics, kombucha, and all the Kavita products and shrubs, which are vinegars. Uh, And then even cheeses are fermented foods. And uh, the soy products that – some of the soy products that I only – the only soy products that I think are nutritious are the ones that are fermented would be like miso, tempeh, and natto. So those are some examples.
0: And I love fermented foods. I try to eat them every single day. I have a, a brand called Wild Brine that I really love uh, that has this uh, fermented sauerkraut with ginger and seaweed in it, uh, harame seaweed. It's just really, really flavorful and tasty. And I made them at home before. And so we're going to go into all that stuff. Um, yep. So what is the most important or what do you see as the most important relationships between gardening, fermentation, cultured foods and your health? Yeah, that's
1: a a great question. And I kind of touched upon that about what I do and who I am. But it's that relationship of getting your hands in the dirt and picking something out of your garden, taking it, chopping it up, adding a little salt and creating something more nutritious for your family is just, in my mind, it's super cool. But way before I realized how important for your health fermented foods are, I thought it was just really interesting and fun and kind of cool. But even if you don't have a garden... Uh, but if you go to a, a, a farmer's market, which are all over the place now, no matter where you live, uh, and just pick the brightest, most fresh vegetables, they're so easy to use, chop against, add some salt and make something that is just so much Better, so much more fun, so much more vibrant. So I think that that connection really gets us back to what we're missing, right? Everybody's used to packaged foods and fast food dinners. Um, but when you start fermenting foods and doing it at home, man, you, you get your family involved and it's it's just it's just a fun way to connect back to food uh, real food per se.
0: What is the difference between pickled vegetables and fermented vegetables?
1: Yeah. So uh, that's a great distinction. Now, pickled vegetables in my mind are vinegar based. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but generally they're not a, they're not a live food anymore. So when you think of a a fermented cabbage, which is sauerkraut or, or kimchi or kombucha, that's live. That's teeming with live bacteria. It's teeming with live enzyme. That's a full live food. When you buy something that's pickled, like, uh, Gardenella, I believe it's called. That's like carrots and, and uh, cauliflower and things of that nature. That's nutritious. That's crunchy. Lots of fiber, but it's not alive. No more live enzymes. No more live bacteria. It has a lot of benefits, but it's, it's nothing like um, fermented foods. And the interesting thing is is if you do fermented foods properly and create that lactic acid – you can't, you, can, you can't almost tell the difference between a vinegar-based pickled vegetable and a fermented lactic acid-based um, fermented food. And when I say lactic acid, that's generally the acid that's produced uh, when you ferment foods, and that's really what keeps foods um, it, it keeps its shelf life because bad bacteria, even like Clostridium, some of the worst bacteria, can't grow in a lactic acid environment. Uh, so that's the difference, and it's that's an important, important distinction for sure.
0: Yeah, I think another important distinction to make is uh, you know maybe a novice that's going to the grocery store just to try out some uh, probiotic foods, fermented vegetables. Um, they will see a sauerkraut um this mass market produced right and uh, the problem is a lot of sauerkrauts or you know fermented foods have been pasteurized so can you tell people what to look for between this sauerkraut that's been pasteurized and this that's actually raw that has a probiotics
1: yeah yeah i, th- I think uh, well, the classic Especially in my, I live right outside of New York City, so Nathan's hot dogs and Sublet hot dogs are you know a big thing, particularly in the summer. And classically, you would see sauerkraut in like plastic sealed bags. Well, there's there's no way that could be alive, right? There's just that's not going to happen. So basically, you're gonna your best bet is really to shop where you know that these kind of foods you're going to be at, uh, like a Whole Foods or even Trader Joe's is starting to carry them now. But they'll say just all that terminology said raw, fermented, live, live enzymes. That's what you're looking for on the label. And generally when something's live like that and you, you open it up for the first time, you're going to hear a little fizz, like almost, I don't drink soda anymore, but for those of you who drink soda mm-hmm. or even seltzer, let's say seltzer, when you open up that seltzer can and you hear that little fizz, that's that's built up gas that's, that that those, those um, bacteria are creating. So that's what you want to look for. Too a little fizz. Uh, but even now, I, I'm not. Sh- I'm sure audiences all over the country, where I'm at, it. We have Stop and Shop. That's one of the normal supermarkets. They have health food sections, and they're right in there as well. One of the classic ones that's been around for so long for sauerkraut is Bubbies. That might only be in my area for sure.
0: Yeah. No, we have that out here in Los Angeles hey. as well. So they're growing they're getting in lots of different places in the u.s but yeah you definitely have to look for the word raw it has to say raw on the outside of it or or it's probably dead yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it. exactly exactly and you, you know it's it could be alive for a long time too that's the cool thing in the stores you might there might have a shelf life on it or they might have a date on it but when you make it yourself man that, that stuff just gets better and better and better i have some fermented Meyer lemons in my refrigerator that's probably like they're like two years old easily Mm -hmm. and they're getting better and better Mm,
0: yeah that sounds good (laughs) yeah and so let's talk about um you know eating fermented foods versus taking a probiotic pill um kind of what is the the distinction the difference and the the benefit in eating the fermented cultured foods
1: yeah that's that's an interesting topic. And a couple weeks ago, I happened to be at a, a little microbiome forum in the city at Sakara Lounge, uh, and Aviva Ram was there, Dr. Rafael Kelman, and Dr. Robin Burzen. So, really nice three three headed panel. And they asked the same exact question, and, and my answer was was pretty. My answers were going to be pretty similar. Uh, first off, when when you buy a probiotic pill. Uh, what you're looking for is how many coliforming units are in that probiotic pill. So low-level supermarket brands might have in the millions, maybe one or two CF, one or two billion CFUs, and, and that's decent. Pharmaceutical grades of stuff that you're really familiar with, stuff from like Claire Labs and Prothera and other companies, uh, you probably can mention a few, have upwards of 50 billion CFUs, and and that's a really that's a good number. But when, you're, when you make fermented foods at home, I've seen numbers of people that have made fermented foods, particularly uh, Dr. Mercola did this with, with his um, – he has a culture starter called Kineticulture, which I highly recommend, where you can kind of direct which bacteria you're growing and other nutrients. Uh, and he did a study where he just you know, made his sauerkraut, tested it, and there was trillions and trillions of bacteria in just like a few tablespoons – so the potency on fermented foods are, are so f- much far greater than the probiotic pills. Saying that, I, I still think it's really, really important to take a probiotic in your daily regimen, whether it's something like lactobacillus and bifidobacter or something more uh, soil-based like uh, prescriptasis, which I love. So I think a combination is important, but fermenting foods is going to increase your potency tenfold and plus when you ferment your foods you're creating nutrients uh one of the big nutrients when you ferment foods properly that's created is vitamin k2 now you know k2 is hard to get right? i mean it's really hard to get in food and it's super important and it's made by fermented fermenting um, natto and some other vegetables so it's it's really important the other and, and another interesting story about um how fermented foods cre- um, increase nutrient density beyond probiotics is back in the day when the sailors would go on their long journeys, they had a real strong risk of getting scurvy. And uh, we know now that it was a vitamin C deficiency, but back then they had no idea. But what they did know is if they bought barrels and barrels of sauerkraut on their trip, nobody would get scurvy. Mm. So beyond the Different varieties of uh, bacteria and virus and archaea and fungus that grow when you make fermented foods, uh, it creates it. It has its own nutrient density, and not to mention uh, when you buy probiotics in the store, that's not from your physician or not from your doctor or not from your healing practitioner. High chances are that they're already dead. Like they're just not even alive. It's just a crappy product. Like I don't know where you. Where you get your probiotics from for your clientele, but one of the big companies I use is Claire Labs, and they mm. ship it. To, they ship it to you in ice and well mm. ice packs. They keep it cold, so that's how important it is. Uh, so the, the benefits, the differences are is when you make your own, you're getting a lot more bang for your buck, and yeah. it's I, probably cheaper too, particularly if you grow your own vegetables.
0: Yeah, and also one other tip I was thinking of when you're buying it in the grocery store is you have to look at the price. Cause like a dead jar of sauerkraut, a lot cheaper than Heck a yeah. live bar, a live jar fermented. It's like, you know, $15 yeah. for a, a little jar of the fermented sauerkraut. Cause it's, you know, it takes a long time to make. Uh, but the dead, maybe 3 $4. So look at the price <laughs> point. You're not going to get away with, uh, uh, live foods for, uh, for on the cheap. So that's why it's good to make it at home. Um, so what is, uh, the best way to introduce fermented or cultured foods into your life, to your diet? That that's important
1: too because you know I've been fermenting foods for about fifteen years now and I, I've run into this problem with myself several several times. The best way to introduce fermented foods is slowly. You know we've all heard that statement: uh, "Let food be thy medicine, and medicine be thy food." I think Hippocrates said that. Well, this fermented foods is is medicine in my mind in terms of it's really strong. It's really potent. It's really nutrient dense. It's got tons of probiotics, live enzymes. If you make uh, sauerkraut for the first time and you just have a bowl of it, boy, oh boy, your stomach's going to start talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> or if you buy a couple bottles of uh, JT's kombucha and you just drink a bottle or two, you're going to it's going to affect you in some sort of negative way. So the way to do it is is slowly. You know, whether you buy a great product or whether you make your own, a few tablespoons every meal for several days, or buy a bottle of like JT's kombucha or um, the lemon cayenne kvita, which is like my favorite drink, and have a third of a bottle for three days and see and slowly ramp up. But I, I think the idea and the goal is to. Uh, have a little bit of some sort of fermented food, almost you know, almost every day and almost at every meal. Uh, a great way to add it in to your smoothies. I, I happen to like goat milk kefir, as opposed to regular a cow's milk kefir. Just agrees with me more. I think it agrees with most most people more. Uh, but if you make a smoothie in the morning with like coconut milk or almond milk or even yogurt or regular milk for that matter. A great substitute is start adding some like goat milk kefir too because you got a ton of beneficial bacteria and a ton. It just transforms that goat milk into something much more special that's really healing for your stomach, really great for your digestion, really great for your skin, immunity, the whole thing. So those are some of the ways that I think you can add them in slowly for breakfast in the smoothie, for lunch, a little sauerkraut. Um, maybe a a little bowl of uh, real miso soup because you can get real live miso paste uh, in the supermarket. Now, that's not that much, you know, five, six, seven bucks for a tub. And you could use a tablespoon in a cup of boiling water. And you know, so those are some of the best ways, I think, to add it. But slowly is the key. The last thing you want to do is create stomach distress and then you just get turned off by it because it was a little bit too much for you.
0: Yeah, I mean, some people that really have uh, impaired digestion or really their gut bacteria is really out of whack. They've got major health conditions, autoimmune disease. Some of them can only handle like some of the juice from the for vegetables. They can't even handle much less a bite. They have to start really, really slow. Wendy,
1: I, I got to tell, I'll let you in a little secret. That's me right now. Mm-hmm. I, I have um, through, I don't know what means, all of a sudden my. Uh, HCL or stomach acid production has dropped off the face of the earth. So I actually, uh, I'm currently treating with. Uh, uh, I have SIBO right now, mm. so I'm I'm on Samantha you know, microbials and virals, and I'm eating like a FODMAP slash SIBO kind of diet. And whats I have a little bit of fermentative, that I'm eating a little bit less than I normally would, uh, because exactly why you said right. If your stomach is not functioning the way it should. Uh, It's got to be a little bit slow, work up, rebuild that microbiome, rebuild your digestion, stomach uh, digestive enzymes. And then so I'm in that boat right now.
0: Yeah. Tell us what SIBO is for anyone who's not aware of that and what can cause that.
1: Yeah, SIBO is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So you're not, as humans, supposed to have any bacteria in your small intestine. All those beneficial bacteria that do all those good things are only supposed to be in your colon, right? Uh, Through a variety of reasons, uh, excessive stress, uh, low stomach acid, and a few other reasons, that those bacteria can start creeping up into the small intestines. And then it causes just—it just— Aggravates the problem. Then you have, uh, then you get more constipation, which even creates worse SIBO symptoms, and it's just like a bad kind of cycle. So what do you got to do for someone on SIBO? And is you have to starve off that those bad bacteria. You got to speed that up with some antimicrobials. There's an antibiotic too, an off-label antibiotic you can use that I'm I've decided not to use. Uh, and you got to really eliminate all the sugars from your diet, all the refined carbohydrates. And, you know, nothing like nothing like corn and potatoes and rice, and even things like chocolate. And then uh, some vegetables like onions, which I love to ferment, but no onions, no garlic, things like that. So that's where I'm at right now. Uh, and it's I think it's pretty rampant in our society because you know we do, and you know this. Our society is stuck on the fact that we're, we produce too much stomach acid and that everybody needs protonix and Pepsid and Zantac when the truth is, is that 50% of people over 50 have too little stomach acid and they're really treating it the absolute wrong way. So I think if you gave uh, the Quintron test, which is a breath test to diagnose SIBO, to most people, I think a heck of a lot of people would show positive for sure.
0: Yeah, a lot of people that are having bloating and gas, and they just feel really bloated after a meal. Yes, and they're not digesting their food well. You know, there's other symptoms too, but
1: yeah, bloating is a is a you nailed that on the target. Uh, you nailed that on the head. Definitely yeah. bloating and stomach pain, constipation, even a uh, bad skin. Mm-hmm. Which I started getting to and using, my skin is, looks pretty good. So, and I'm too young to have bad skin. Yeah,
0: yeah. And that most doctors are not going to clue into that unless they're a functional medicine practitioner. Sibo is just not on their radar.
1: Not, not in the least. Which is kind of silly.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so let's talk about um, you know how how fermented foods um, are a valuable part of a primal lifestyle.
1: Yeah, you know, so let's define primal as being, uh, you know, eating like our ancestors did, sleeping like our ancestors did, exercising like our ancestors did, playing like our ancestors did. And, you know, as a, as a culture, as a human race, there was a time when, you know, water wasn't safe for us to drink at all. So we lived on things like wine and meads and beers, even kids, because that was once you fermented it or made this alcoholic beverage, they were safe to consume. So it's something that we've just developed as with as, as humans. And when we were starting to come together as little cultures and little tribes, we had to figure out ways to preserve our foods, and that's the way they the way they did it by fermenting it, storing it, and keeping it cold, and salting it, and uh, all the other things that we've developed. And, and, and when you look at every different culture, whether it's Japanese, whether it's Russian, it doesn't matter. They all have their own set. So it, it's been a part of our primal paleo ancestral way of looking at things and developing since since we were humans for sure.
0: Yeah, and today oh, no. m- yeah, today most people they the only fermented food they're getting is beer. <laughs> <You know? laughs> know, way too much of it, right? Yeah. And that's not even live anymore. That that's just, doesn't count. It, no. Does not count. Uh no probiotics in there unfortunately. Unless you're making your own at home, maybe. Uh, yeah, I was just joking. So you know,
1: that, you know that's coming. You know that's coming. Right? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about the importance of gut health and how your gut is so tied to your immune system health and as a majority of your immune system and uh, what goes wrong when you don't have proper gut bacteria that is aided by eating fermented foods.
1: Yeah. You know, as I mentioned in the beginning, when I first started doing this, I, I thought it was kind of cool and fun and interesting. And, you know, know kombucha was kind of a weird looking thing but you know as time went on you just saw more and more articles now the microbiome is like the hottest topic you can't escape it it's, it's everywhere and it's because that ecosystem in our enteric nervous system dictates and controls so much it's it's considered and you know dr kelman and other people it's, it's basically like its own organ in of in and of itself in that environment uh, in our gut and our enteric nervous system in our microbiome we're creating all sorts of vitamins and minerals that we, we don't get from our food we're creating all our, or most of our neurotransmitters most people think that the neurotransmitters or the commu- the chemical communications that happen in our brain are created in our brain and that's not true they're really created down in our in our gut from primarily serotonin and dopamine all those uh, and then we just look look at how, Expansive the central nervous system is, and the connection between the central nervous system, the enteric nervous system, your microbiome. Uh, you know, the nervous system runs the show, runs your immune system, runs your endocrine system. So it's, it's ubiquitous in every aspect of health possible. You, you can't go to a function, functional medicine doctor with you, any symptom you go to a functional medicine doctor with essentially they're going to look really closely at your microbiome, your stomach health, your gut health, whether it's thyroid, whether it's autoimmunity, whether it's cancer. It's tied into every single aspect of your life. Uh, and it's indistinguishable, inseparable. And it's, it's that crucial.
0: I know. I mean, almost every client that comes to me has some sort of digestive issue, whether it be low stomach acid, they have H. pylori, they've got all kinds of intestinal systems in issues, whether it be IBS, um, diarrhea, constipation, candida, parasites, I mean, right. something, and they have malabsorption. Uh, Every test I do for amino acids, people are not absorbing their amino acids for various reasons. Metal toxicities, of course. Uh, But definitely, you know, they have a compromised intestinal lining and compromised gut microbiome. Um, Can you talk a little about that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, think about it, right? If you're not producing the right stomach acid or the digestive enzymes... Or you have dysbiosis, which is – when we look at the totality of the microbiome, which is the, uh, all the different bacteria and all the different viruses and fungus and archaea and even some parasites that are in in our in that grouping of, of that organ, if that's not functioning right, you're simply not going to break down your food. You're simply not going to properly digest your food and you're going to have, as you said, malabsorption. So you're just we're always so worried about taking in a multivitamin well how about starting with digesting what uh what you're eating and i and i believe uh the ancient healing art of ayurveda which is considered the oldest healing science or art out ever states that it's not necessarily what you eat it's what you you digest Mm -hmm. right so uh so that's that's crucial and it's uh, Having a healthy microbiome is part and parcel of having great digestion and then breaking down your food and absorbing those minerals and then integrating them into your body. I mean, it just it's, it's, ama- it's really, truthfully, ama- it's just amazing and astounding.
0: Let's talk about the connection between fermented foods and a, a properly functioning nervous system. A lot of people have stress and anxiety and, and all kinds of sleep issues. How does that relate back to the gut?
1: Yeah, it's it's just what we we've mentioned a few different ways. Most people think that most of the neurotransmitters are created in your brain, but they're not. They're they're they, all the communication molecules that your nervous system functions on is created in your gut. So you, without a properly functioning microbiome, you can't have a properly functioning enteric nervous system. And then you can't have a properly functioning central nervous system, which is your brain, your spinal cord, and your peripheral nerves that go everywhere in your entire body. Uh, and that's the reason why I think most functional medicine doctors start with the gut now, because it has impacts on everything, including your thyroid, and, and that that just tra- you know goes on to a whole nother rabbit hole. But you you can't escape how in- integral the microbiome, your gut health, the enteric nervous system, and then search- central nervous system tied in. Uh, we think that you know the. the- the most neurons we have is in our brain. Well, there's more nerve cells in that enteric nervous system than there is in your central nervous system. So you could see how huge it is, not to mention all the Peyer's patches and all the other things in your digestive system and enteric nervous system that creates immune cells. And it's, it's so expansive and so exciting that it, it just goes on and on and on.
0: Yeah, let's talk about um, you know, some key resources and products that you need to help you to begin making your own fermented foods and how to make them at home.
1: Yeah, like, I, um, I like to consider myself self-taught or a self-taught expert. But the truth of the matter is, is that I've been following, taking courses and watching people for a, lo- a long time. Uh, one of the first books and one of the first people that I started reading was uh, Dr. Sander Katz. His first – simpler. well, he wrote another book. I think A World Without the Microwave or something was his first book. But he wrote Wild Fermentation, which is a great book. And then I brought it up here. The, let's see if everybody can see this. This is the Bible right yeah, here. The
0: it's Art not, of that, Fermentation. Yeah, that,
1: <laughs> this, is a, this is a great one. He's really a fascinating individual. Um, so he's a great read. But then some of the classes I've taken is uh, uh, Jenny McGrother from Nourished Kitchen has a great fermentation class. Uh, Of course, uh, Donna Gates from Body Ecology has a great fermentation class. She has a bunch of cultures. I mentioned it before. Dr. McCola has a lot of videos on his site on how to make sauerkraut and his kinetic culture. Uh, So those are some of the – those are the best resources I know. Cultured – oh, and the other one is Hannah Crum for Kombucha Camp. Mm. She's one of them. Kombucha is is a big deal – in the fermented food realm, right? I mean, everything is, it's like the cure-all. But uh, she has a great site, great new books. She just wrote The Big Book of Kombucha, which is another, fan, just a fan, historical perspectives and what you could do with kombucha and how you can use it. Uh, so those are the resources. Hannah Crum, Jenny McGrother, uh, uh, Donna Gates, Sandra Katz. And one of the, the newer, she's newer in terms of, for me, uh, I don't know if you know her or not, but Summer Bach is huge into the ferment- yes. fermented world too. And I've just started looking at – I know she's got a massive class that she puts on uh, to teach people how to ferment food. So I would recommend her material as well. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I learned from watching uh, videos on Donna Gates' website, uh, bodyecology.com. And that was one of the first books that talked about the importance of the gut microbiome and how to care for it. And I actually had a group of friends come over and we all had a, you know, fermented vegetable party and, you know, had our little mandolin and, you know, strutting <laughs> the vegetables. And we had the body ecology, um, you know, fermentation, uh, you know, seeds, a little, yeah, yeah the, the, I mean, little the culture of the cultures <laughs> and, uh, and put those in some warm water and some honey or something sweet. And then we made a celery juice. Lots and lots and lots uh, of uh, minerals and celery, just in salts, naturally occurring salts, and uh put, the, you know, use that as like our little liquid base, and it was fun.
1: Yeah, using that's that's a that's a trick that a lot of people don't do. That is a good idea when you're fermented foods to juice cel- juice celery. Mm-hmm. Celery juice is a it's a great trick. It's got natural natural. uh nitrates and nitrates in it that really help the fermentation process that's a good i, I should have mentioned that that's a great great point but yeah donna Gates is i mean she's she's done a lot of first right she's brought stevia into the market and young coconut kefir and all sorts of first she's done so she's really innovative she's a great place to start
0: and that's a really easy thing for someone first starting out making vegetables they can are fermented foods uh they can do a fermented coconut kefir and it's it's really really the simplest things you can do
1: the simplest thing but if you can handle cow's milk or even goat's milk man you just get a a culture packet from body ecology get let that that milk get to room temperature put that packet in there shake it up in a mason jar leave it on your counter for two days and bam you have kefir i mean it's like the it's it's so easy it's it's absurdly easy
0: yeah, I made that one time. I went to, uh, my local farmer's market and got these, uh, cultures, uh, like the little seeds they call the, them. Uh, they? Oh,
1: the, the grains. The the, kefir yeah. The grain,
0: gra- the kefir grains. That's what they are. I can't remember anything today. <laughs> Whatever the terminology. So I, I've done it before. I just don't remember the words, what it's called. So I got the kefir grains and, and made that. And you can keep using them over and over and over yeah. and over. And those are kind of handy.
1: Yeah. Those are, those are just like a kombucha. The kefir grains are as, What's called a scoby or a symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast. So those are live little cultures that are ready to just ferment anything. And you could do milk, like you said. You can do young coconut kefir. But if you could find those grains, really live grains, they're great to have, and they keep reproducing. And and they're neat. I, uh They're a little harder to come by, but they're. I think they're better. Yeah. Uh, They're more active there. That's a better, that's a better product if you get your hands on those for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you can find them at your farmer's market. If you go to the little stall that has the raw dairy, uh, they will typically have them, not always, but that's where you find them. They're, they're in the back. You have to ask for (laughs) them. They don't have them just advertised. Yeah. So, um, so I have a question I, I like to ask all of my guests. Sure. What do you think is the most pressing health issue in the world today?
1: Wow, I wish I had a thought. The most <laughs> pres- uh times, the most presci- precious most pressing health issue is people outsourcing their health to someone other than themselves. Healing comes from inside out and you have to trust in your own innate healing abilities. Find out experiment find out What you need to do and take action because once we give our health or put our hands into someone else's hands, um, you're giving up a lot. Now, that's not to mean you shouldn't get help. I mean, I I, kind of think I know what I'm doing, but I'm under the care of a doctor right now, too. But people don't want to take responsibility for their health anymore. And I think that's my message. You got to really take responsibility for your own health. Who else is, if you don't, who else is really going to care for how healthy you are?
0: I love that answer because that's my, my whole message, uh, to people and, and why I started my website is to empower people to take responsibility for their own health. No one cares as much as you do. Right. You know, they just don't, no matter how mel- well-meaning they are and whatnot. Like, for instance, my my poor mother just uh, developed an E. coli bladder infection and went to doctor after doctor after doctor. Finally, after the fourth doctor, he finally diagnosed it as E. coli and then wanted to put her on antibiotics, which she took, even though I told her, you know, maybe it's not the best idea. But E. O- 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 coli is pretty serious. You know, there's a time, yeah. to, there's a time yep. and a place for antibiotics. Absolutely. But then that didn't work. And then she had to do, the doctor wanted her to do another one and then another one, but she was sh- shining an infrared light on the area. And, uh, I was t- told her to take super high dose vitamin C that will kill off infections, but she's still dealing with it. Um, unfortunately, because she hasn't been doing the natural stuff as much as she should be. And it's, uh, it's tough, um, because the, the doctors just, they're not able to to take care of it for her, and just as one example, that's just one example of, of many. Yeah,
1: you know, absolutely.
0: Yeah, and I always believe that you know you want to do natural protocols first before resorting to medication or surgery.
1: Yeah, I mean, and in chiropractic, we've uh, even before I got into the nutritional one, we say chiropractic first, medicine second, surgery last, and you could kind of apply that to anything, right? You could natural health first you know, medicine second, surgery last, right?
0: Yeah. I do my chiropractor twice a week. (laughs) I have to, I have, I have for, for years. I just, I have to go to my chiropractor. I mean, now, of course I have a bulging disc in my lower back, which I got from lifting weights with a trainer, a little (laughs) overzealous with the old lady over here. Um, so now I'm dealing with that, but I go to my chiropractor twice a week, very faithfully. Love him um so wanting to the listeners a little bit more uh, about you and where they can find you
1: yeah so if you're anywhere right outside of new york city my chiropractic office is five miles outside of new york city uh and it's a great facility you know we have physical therapy acupuncture chiropractic nutrition the whole the whole bowl of wax and uh that's www.fccofbayonne.com So f c c o f b a y o n n e dot com. But globally, like you, I have we have a business with my partners, Dr. Mike Akinfor and Dr. Wanda Lee McPhee. A few years ago, we created the Center for Epigenetic Expression, and we've hosted a few summits, and we have a pretty large podcast that just cracked a hundred thousand subscribers called uh beyond your wildness genes and we talk and you're going to be on that soon and we you know we just talk about anything that um supports your health in a positive positive way
0: you yeah, know. I love the name of your podcast. So cute.
1: <laughs> it, it, it's, yeah, Doc, Dr. Mike came up with that in some sort of thought flash in the middle of the night. And I think it's one of the most clever names I've heard. I really, I like it too. <laughs> it's sticking, it's staying and sticking for sure.
0: And so, uh, as the listeners know, I have an upcoming Medicinal Supplement Summit. I've spoken on, you know, well over 35 summits, and I wanted to finally do my own summit. And you are a guest on the summit. You're a speaker on the summit. Tell us a little bit about your talk on the summit.
1: Yeah, we're going to talk, or we've talked about, and it's going to be released soon, uh, some natural supplements that deal with acute and chronic pain. Right, so pain is a bit as a chiropractor and I keep going back that we don't really like to talk about pain we just like to well we like to get people out of pain as fast as possible but you know there's supplemental ways to speed your recovery or eliminate or speed speed those those processes up like reducing inflammation by using some really specific supplements like uh, fish oils and vitamin d and and proteolytic enzymes, and we kind of get down and dirty with that stuff. But um, as we know, the, the traditional methods for dealing with pain, like NSAIDs, uh, Advils, aspirins, those those carry some significant risks to your stomach, to your uh, to your kidneys, to your liver. But n- nutritional and natural supplements hold very little risk. With in many many ways, much of better benefit and safer benefit and long-lasting benefits because if you if you reduce inflammation in your body not only are you going to get rid of your pain in many cases you're also going to stave off things like neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and things so that the, the to reduce your pain reduce your inflammation has such profound impacts on your health we know that I don't think I've mentioned this on on the summit but chronic low back pain shrinks your brain who the heck wants chronic low back pain and who wants a smaller <laughs> brain i don't but that's that's a study that's proven that's research chronic pain shrinks your brain i don't want my brain any smaller than it is right,
0: yeah, <laughs> right me now me neither i'm certainly at risk for that
1: <laughs> so so uh so that's that's my topic and and i'm uh and i know you have a whole bunch of awesome speakers and i'm really looking forward to uh Listening in, supporting, affiliating, and being a part of your summit for sure
0: yeah we have a lot of exciting speakers we have mike adams of naturalnews.com we have dr daniel um, amen of uh, brainhealthmd.com he does the brain scans um, yes. we we have got katie spears the wellnessmama.com a uh, lot of um, amazing people so if you have been wondering about what supplements are right for you the latest in supplement customization how to do testing to customize supplements to your body and you know know how to take supplements the best supplements for various health conditions definitely go check out the uh, medicinalsupplementsummit.com certainly a mouthful
1: <laughs> i think i think it's an absolute no brainer summit because mm-hmm. It's such an important top. It's such an important topic. I-, I can't wait to get my hands on it for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've been ta- I love supplements and I've taken a lot <laughs> of different supplements, a lot of different brands. And it's, it's hard when you first start really caring about your health, you start taking supplements and you don't know what to take. And I had like a whole grocery bag full of supplements and I'd take them into my doctor and then my chiropractor. What do you think I should take and not take? And you know, there's a, a lot, there's a learning curve. Uh, that people have to kind of deal with. And so this summit is going to help people reduce that learning curve and get them taking what's right for them.
1: Anything that you can do to speed up your knowledge base uh, is worth the investment.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, Noah, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Anything else you want to add to our conversation?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Just when it's released, let me know. I want to share it too. Okay.
0: <laughs> Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to the live to 110 podcast. You can learn more about me at my websites live to 110.com and check out my healing and detox program at mineralpower.com. Thank you so much for listening.